0: You're listening to Connect Communities Podcast, recorded live in Stamford, Connecticut. If you'd like to know more about our community, stop by our website at www.connectcommunity.tv. Enjoy the message. So today's part two of our series, A Seat at the Table. Now, the idea behind this series is linked to the importance of table, table conversations, the time that you spend at the table, sometimes with family, sometimes with friends, sometimes with business partners. I want you to think about how many things, how many important decisions you have made in your life that were connected to a time at the table. Maybe that first date that turned into something promising, a business deal that it was, it was a lunch, right? And some bad things too happen at the table, right? That innocent lunch that you had with a, with a friend that was supposed to just be a lunch might have led to something not so good. And so things happen at the table because that time that you spend together sharing a meal with people are, is a time of deep significance. It's a time of intimacy, And Jesus had some of those times with his followers as well. He had some of those deep, amazing, life-changing conversations at the table. And so we've been looking in this series at moments that Jesus spent at the table with people. And last week, we had a conversation about Jesus' encounter with teachers of the law. Jesus was having dinner with sinners and tax collectors. That's how the, the scripture posts it, and those people were were labeled sinners by the leaders, the the religious leaders of the time, and then there's another category of sinner that's like the worst of them all, which is a tax collector, and Jesus was hanging out with them. Tax day is coming up, May 17th, so you might have a a similar uh, feeling toward tax collectors. Maybe not, Uh, but... That's, that's the feeling that they had back then, even worse, because tax collectors were traitors. And so Jesus was in that moment, and like I said, people were divided into groups back then because the, the leaders of that time deemed those the people who were sinners separate, a separate group, and they classified them as a different group and, and, and put them into uh, almost like an outcast category. Because they they lived and behaved in ways that they did not approve. And these leaders, they encouraged their followers to apply the same rigor to all of those people. So society was very fragmented. It was very segregated. And I think if we think about life today, if we think about what we're seeing in our society today, we're not too far from those days. We have a lot of people who are just as religious today, as the religious people at that time. The only difference is that today's popular religions are not God-centered religions, but we have a lot of religions today, if you think about it. I'm not talking about Christianity or Judaism or Islam or all the other religions. I'm talking about the religion of politics, the religion of identity politics, the religion of uh, money, So many religions that people have today that they make those things number one. And when they make those things number one, they serve them with their life. Now we have established these godless religions and and we have godless temples and, and we have our godless priests that people pay attention to. Just like the Pharisees of old. And, and we see society segregating themselves to those who are like-minded and those who have the same opinion and outcasting those who think differently. And to that, Jesus had something to say. This is what Jesus said, Matthew chapter 9, verse 9 through 13. He said, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I came to call the righteous, not to, not, not to call the righteous, but sinners. See, Jesus broke the molds of division. He broke the molds of segregation. He broke the molds of all that causes division, and he called us, all of us, to do the same, to live in the same mindset. Remember, we're calling this year the year of unity. And we believe that God's desire for us is a desire for us to live in unity, genuine unity. Not unity that requires alignment of thought or unity that requires uh, alignment of ideals, but unity that's genuine togetherness because we are children of God, because we are all brothers and sisters. So that was last week's introduction to this series. And today I want to continue our conversation with another moment that Jesus had at the table. Now let's go to the scripture, uh, Luke chapter 14, verse 1, and we're going to begin this new passage that we're looking into today. One Sabbath, when he went to dine at the house of of the ruler of the Pharisees, they were watching him carefully. Now I'm going to stop right there because I want you to notice a a few things in this passage. This passage kind of sets up the moment that Jesus was having. It sets up the night. There are three things that you need to notice in this passage. First is that it was a Sabbath. That's really important. Because the Sabbath was not just any other day. If you're familiar with the Sabbath, you know that the Sabbath is an important day in the Scriptures. It's a holy day. It's a day where uh, people who follow the Jewish tradition, they don't do any work. It's a day to contemplate and to worship God. To be aware of God's, God's presence and to worship Him. So it's important and it's significant that this happened on a Sabbath. Now the Sabbath in Jewish tradition begins on, at sundown on Friday. And it ends at sundown on, on Saturday. Because if you remember Genesis it says that it was evening and morning. So a day in the Jewish tradition begins at sundown. So most likely this happened on a Friday night. And uh, in the Sabbath, they begin the Sabbath with a meal called the Shabbat. So Jesus is there together on the Sabbath where no work is meant to be done. It was not just any day. Second thing that you need to notice is that Jesus was with Pharisees. He was invited by the ruler of the Pharisees. That's important too. And the ruler of the Pharisees was one of the most influential and important men or people in their tradition. Because in Jewish culture, the law of God was the law of the land. The law of God was God's covenant with the people. And the Pharisees were doctors in the law of God. And the ruler of Pharisees was basically the the, the leader of all of the Pharisees. So this is a big deal. These were not just any... Uh, people. This was not just any dinner. And the third thing I want you to notice is that they were not Jesus's friends. They didn't really like him. Notice that Luke writes that they were watching him closely. These were the same people that later found reason to arrest Jesus and set him up for crucifixion. They were watching him. They were looking for a reason to condemn him. Jesus was walking, in, walking into a minefield. I don't know if you ever had one of those dinners. Some of you, all you need to think about is the, the, the first dinner you had with your future in-laws, right? Remember that? Am I getting you nervous right now? And, and, and I didn't have that problem because my in-laws are awesome. They're amazing. Specifically because they're probably watching right now. Love you guys. But if you've ever walked into a a situation where you know everybody's watching you, they're looking and, and hoping that you will make a mistake so they'll catch you. That's where Jesus is walking into. So these are not just any people. These are people looking for a reason to condemn Jesus. That's the environment Jesus puts himself to. That's the place Jesus walks into voluntarily. Not people that are all for him. Not people that always agree with him. He inserts himself in that situation. And he doesn't shy away from his calling either. He, he, he He doesn't shy away from situations like that. He doesn't create an echo chamber as a leader. Jesus reaches out because he realizes this. That with all their differences, still at the core, they had a lot in common. It had much more in common. Because these people, they wanted to please God. They wanted to live a life that God called them to live. And I believe that that's true of you as well. I believe that in the course of your life, you will have moments where you will have the opportunity to enter spaces, to enter circles, to enter conversations that will not be always friendly. They will not always going to be, they will not always going to be favorable to you. You might be in a circle where People will not like you. They will not like the way you live. They will not like or sympathize with your choices. Especially if you are a follower of Christ. You might see that. You might face that in your lifetime, in the course of your life. So what do you do then? What do you do when you're in that situation? Do you shy away? Do you, do you just hide? Do you avoid these encounters? No. No. We don't avoid it. We don't hide. We follow Jesus. We do what Jesus did. We do what Jesus called us to do. We sit in those conversations. We participate. We dialogue because we understand that ultimately what people want is God. People desire and want God, whether they realize it or not. What they want, what they're searching, is the peace, the love, the mercy, the understanding, the fulfillment that only God can bring. So that's what Jesus does. He walks into that situation confidently. And while he was there, a few things happened that I want to call your attention to. The first thing that we learn that happened at that dinner is that Jesus noticed that one of the people there, one of the men in that dinner, was ill. He was sick. Uh, Luke chapter 14 verse 2 says this, And behold, there was a man before him who had dropsy, I had never read that word dropsy uh, and, and, or really paid attention to notice and wonder what it was. And I was like, is this just somebody that drops things? <laughs> is it dropsy? Because <laughs> I might have that. <laughs> but no, dropsy is an old name for an edema, somebody who has a swelling in a part of their body. And it's really serious. It's something that there's not really a, a, a cure for. Especially in those days there wasn't a cure for it. And so it's de- de- uh, very deb- debilitating. So Jesus sees that. He has compassion on him. And Jesus has the power and the ability to heal him. But now Jesus finds himself in a situation where they're watching. And would, de- would this be classified as work on the, sa- on the Sabbath? So Jesus walks that situation with wisdom. And this is what he does. Luke, uh, Let's go to verse 3. I wanna give you three lessons today from this encounter of Jesus with these Pharisees. And the first lesson is this When you're feasting, look for the hurting. When you're fe- feasting, look for the hurting. We all wanna reach heights in life, new heights. We wanna le- reach heights of comfort. Heights where we're not worried, we're not concerned. We want to find that level of celebration in such a good life where where our life has no concerns. What we really want is heaven, isn't it? We want heaven on earth. That's what we desire. And that's kind of like what Sabbath represents here. Because the Sabbath was a moment of contemplating God's perfection. It was not only a day of rest. Many of us understand Sabbath as a day of rest. But a day of rest doesn't mean that they're just going to pay attention to laziness, like a celebrating laziness. That's not what it is. It's a day for contemplating and thinking of all that's holy and good and beautiful. It's a day for worship. It's a day for introspection. And in our own reality, we want that kind of mindset. We want that kind of attention. We want those to have those moments where where we're on the summit, where we're feeling good. And you know what? Sometimes we have that. We have moments of it, moments where we reach the summit. And while there, this is what can happen. We can get into a mindset of, I'm too blessed to be stressed. Have you ever heard that expression? It's a good expression. I like that expression. And it's an expression that means that I'm going to focus on the blessings of God. I'm going to focus on the goodness of God. And I'm not going to worry about anything else that might be trying to, to, to put me, pull me down. But here's the problem. I think that there is a limit to it. Because we can't let I'm too blessed to be stressed turn into I'm too blessed to care. Right? We can't allow that mentality to get us to the point where we're just focusing on all well, that's good. And forgetting everything else, and that's what Jesus is teaching. Jesus is teaching us this here: uh, Listen, while you are here feasting, while you are in the summit, while you have reached that, that place of joy and, and happiness, focusing on what's good and holy, mindful of God and His glory, remember that not all of us are feasting. Some of us are suffering. Some of us are going through situations that are hurting. See, Jesus didn't let his environment, he didn't let his company to keep him from his calling. He noticed the man and he said, there's something I can do about him. And he's calling us to to do the same. To, To, in the middle of our feasting, look for the hurting. Notice that some people might be going through something and then do something about it. So my encouragement to you today is this, to... When you are feasting, do that. Look for the hurting. And when you find them, ask yourself, is there anything I can do to alleviate their pain? Is there anything I can do to restore them? Is there anything I can do to heal them, to bless them? See, Jesus saw that man, and he had a sickness in his body. And you might feel powerless if you see somebody with with a sickness in their body, but we have a lot of people suffering in their souls today. A lot of people carrying pain, carrying uh, anxiety, carrying stress, feeling rejected, feeling alone, feeling depressed. And the enemy has, has sown so many seeds of negativity in their minds that they have forgotten who they are. And it is our job, those of us who are connected to God, to reach out and share His love and share His grace. So if you're there with them, In their presence. Don't stay quiet. I know sometimes it can be awkward for you to reach out and and be the light. But let me encourage you to do it. Be the light. Be the blessing. Be the light of God. This is something else that, that we learn from this moment that Jesus had. That because Jesus healed on the Sabbath. A day for worship. Jesus did not break the law. Jesus shows us that healing on the Sabbath is also worship, which means this, that caring for the hurting is part of our worship to God. When you care for those who are hurting, you are worshiping God because you're doing it in God's behalf. So as the night progresses, Jesus notices this, that all of them take their place at the table. Now, I believe there's two types of people in the world, okay? Those who go to the movies 30 minutes early because they don't want to miss anything. They want to get the best seat in the house. And those who just show up at the last minute after the previews because they really don't want to waste time. I don't know which one you are, but I know which one I am. I am there for the best seat, baby. I'm a best seat kind of guy, all right? That goes for movies. That goes for concert. And I know some of you are too. Go to the movies. It's only you and a friend maybe. Or your spouse, but you got enough food in your purse for a whole village, right? And you get there early to watch the movie. The same thing happened here. Jesus notices that they all wanted the best seat in the house. They all wanted the places... Of honor. Listen, in my younger days, I worked at a church in Houston, amazing church, and we got to host some awesome concerts for Christian artists that are really well-renowned. And part of my job, I worked for a period in the events department, part of my job was to handle seat assignments, seat, seat assignments. And then if you want to see a Christian curse you out in church, move them out of their seats at a Michael W. Smith concert. Say, hey, listen, I'm going to have to move you. They're ready to lose their salvation right there and take you down with them. That, that happens, okay? Personal experience. So I imagine that 2,000 years ago, meeting with, with the ruler of the Pharisees, all of the Pharisees were like, oh, I'm going to take that seat. I'm going to stay close to him. I'm going and, and I imagine that for Jesus to notice, there has to be some kind of commotion in that place. And Jesus took this opportunity to teach him a lesson. Verse 8. This is what Jesus says. When you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in a place of honor. lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. And he who invited you both will come and say, give your place to this person. And then you begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place so that when, you host, when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. Watch this. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Wow. What a life lesson. And here's the lesson number two for us today. Present yourself with humility. In every situation, everywhere you go, present yourself with humility. What a lesson. Now, we all love perks. I know I was teasing you guys about the seats and the things. And we all love perks. We love upgrades. We love getting a little extra, right? We love incentives. We love perks. We just flew out to uh, Florida a couple months ago for our anniversary in February, and we got upgraded in the in the in the plane. We got upgraded to business class. It was nice. The seat was so comfortable. Everybody else in the back. And there we were. But it was really nice when the stewardess came up to us and said, Would you like a glass of wine? And I was like, How did you know I was a pastor and it's communion time right now? <laughs> huh? How did you know we're about to have communion right now? A, what a divine airline. Praise the Lord. <laughs> This is not what Jesus is talking about. Jesus is not talking about you wanting perks, you wanting the good of the land. He's not talking about your desire to, to have a good experience. Jesus is talking about something much more important, much more fundamental on how we interact with people. He was talking about the opportunities that we will have in the course of life to overimpose ourselves on others. The opportunities that we have we will have in the course of life to throw our weight around. And you will have those opportunities to, to overimpose yourself, your position, your status, your wealth, your title, your name. Those situations when you will have the opportunity to present yourself, not in humility, but to present yourself in, in arrogance, to present yourself in pride, to pump up yourself. And Jesus is saying, listen, present yourself with humility. Present yourself in a way that you can prefer others. It is a much better way to live, not just for you, but for others as well. When you live a life in that manner, this is what will happen, Jesus is saying. You won't have to talk yourself up. You won't have to prop yourself up. When you live elevating others, you will be elevated because God will make sure that people will elevate you. So present yourself with humility. There's this passage in Proverbs 16:5. It's really poignant. And this is what the scripture says. Everyone who is arrogant in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Ouch. Be assured, he will not go unpunished. Here's the problem with the arrogance. Why God is so Strong and the scriptures are so strong with arrogance. Is that arrogance is the tendency that we have to overimpose ourselves on others? And before long, what happens is you begin to devalue people. And when we're not called to devalue people, we're called to add value to people's lives. We're called to add value to others. That's the whole point of the good news to bring the life of God, to bring heaven on earth. And if we, if we allow arrogance to get into our hearts, we begin to devalue others. That's a symptom of arrogance. And that's why the Scripture is so strong. Because anything that defiles, anything that abuses, anything that exploits another person or yourself is an abomination to the Lord. And when you see that in the Scriptures, you can trace it back to something that is done to a person. And arrogance leads to those things. Now, there's an interesting idea in the world today and how how we, especially if you're in business uh, or, you know, if you're in a a career that involves, uh, um, just, I guess everybody's in a career that involves other people and and different levels, right? But what we hear a lot in the world is that you got to look out for number one, right? You got to look out for numero uno, number one. Only care for yourself. And you might be tempted to think, hey, that works. That might work in in business. I see people who are like that. They are arrogant. They just care about themselves and they get ahead. But it doesn't really. It doesn't work in life. And you know it doesn't work because you can't build a genuine relationship when you're only looking out for yourself. You can't build a a great marriage if you're only looking out for yourself. You can't be a great mom or a great dad if you're only looking out for yourself. You can't have genuine friends if you're only looking out for yourself. I heard it said it this way. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. And this makes sense because if you think about it, uh, constantly thinking of yourself, constantly thinking of where you fit, constantly thinking of how to make yourself uh, uh, stand out in a situation is really a lack of a strong identity. It's a lack of, of understanding who you are and whose you are. Because when you know who you are and you know whose you are, you are free to prefer others. You're free to elevate others. Think about this. For those of you who have kids, you, 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 will, you, you will understand this, but everybody can understand this. A child who does not feel loved or accepted That child is going to constantly try to adjust their behavior, adjust how they interact with people so that they can be noticed, so they can be loved, so that they can be accepted because they're lacking that. So they're constantly trying to adjust their behavior so they can get what they're lacking. And in that way, what are they doing? They're always thinking about themselves, always thinking about themselves, always thinking about themselves. They're really self-focused, self-obsessed. Now, a child who is loved... A child who's accepted, it's completely free. That child is free to just be. That child is free to socialize. That child is free to share. That child is free to prefer others. Because that child knows that they belong. They know that they are loved. They know that they belong. And the same is true for us bigger children. The same is true for all of us. Humility is actually a fruit of a healthy relationship with God, a healthy identity in God. Someone who knows that they are loved and that they are accepted and they know where they stand with their Heavenly Father, somebody who knows that they are a child of God is free to pay attention to others, is free to care for others, is free to elevate and and prefer others because they don't need their approval to know who they are. And that's what Jesus is encouraging us here. Hey, listen. Listen. It's not where you sit at this table that's going to determine how important you are. It's how God sees you. It's how, it's how you are and how you stand before God. So when you live in that mindset, you won't need a chair at a banquet to define your identity. You won't need to overimpose yourself on others to feel important. You won't need to make sure everyone is looking at you, making sure that you are at the center of your attention to feel like you are seen. Because you know your father loves you. So you present yourself with humility. The third lesson that we draw from Jesus today, and the last point of today, is chapter 14, uh, 14, verses 12 through 14. Now Jesus, he, he healed the man, he addressed the guests, and now he turns his attention to the ruler of the Pharisees, the host of the party. He also said to the man who had invited him, When you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in, in, in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just." This is a profound idea. And Jesus is not saying that you shouldn't hang out with your family or that you shouldn't invite your friends over. This is not what Jesus is saying. The idea here is this, that we ought to use our goods for good. And that's the third and last lesson of today. Use your goods for good. What do you do when you're in a position of power and prestige? What do you do when you have a chance to use your influence to to further yourself? Who do you benefit with your goods? Jesus is challenging our norms. He's challenging our strategies. In essence, Jesus is saying, when you're in a position to share your goods and use what you have for others, don't use it for self-gain. Use it to lift somebody else up. In other words, if you're giving something to someone because that person will give you something back in return, is that really a gift? No, it's not a gift. It's an investment. And investments can be good. Investments can be smart. Here's a problem. Here's when investments can become a problem. When you value what you have or what you want more than you value the person, that is a problem. When friendships are an avenue for you to get what you want, that's a problem. When relationships are seen as a capital that you leverage, that's a problem. And the the more you get into circles of, of prestige, the more you get into circles of influence, the more you have to deal with this the more you'll be exposed to it. Those of you who are working in a career and working in an environment, you know this. You know this. Jesus is saying, don't play that game. It's not worth it. It's not, it's not, it's not, going, to, it's not going to give you any true reward. In other words, he's saying, value people. In fact, you should value people so much That you should choose to use your goods for good. To help those who cannot repay you. To help those who would not have the opportunity unless you gave it to them. To those who would not be able to to attain what you were giving them unless you had the opportunity. Or you gave them the opportunity. To bless those who would not have access to what you were giving unless you were in blessing them. He's calling us to be the kind of person who's so aware of our capacities to do good that we are constantly blessing those who are in need. And that's all of us. Every single one of us. We have the opportunity and the ability to do this for those around us. Jesus is calling us to pay attention to those who cannot repay us. Because when you do it, you're not going to do it for self-interest. You're going to bless them out of love. Use your position of power. Use your position of influence to elevate people. To give them opportunities that they wouldn't have otherwise. Now, can you imagine what our world would be like if this happened? Could you imagine the levels of mentoring, of elevating those who are outcasts, elevating those who are in the the margins, if we put this to practice? This was a powerful, power, powerful conversation Jesus had with these rulers. Notice that Jesus didn't, he didn't miss the opportunity, man. He's sitting at the table with all these people who have the ability to change their world. He doesn't shy away. He preaches the good news. He tells them, listen, heal people, even on the Sabbath, because that's the will of God. Listen, don't try to fight for prestige. Present yourself with humility. Listen, don't just invite people to your house who's going who's to praise you, people who are going to vote for you for what you need. And I imagine that in those days, the politics in, in that environment was big. Jesus is telling that leader, saying, hey, look out for those who are outside your circle and use your influence to bless them. The same, the same thing can be so useful in our world today. And I believe that God is calling us to be a new kind of people, a new kind of nation a new kind of mindset, a new kind of people, just just sharing the good news into the world. And I want to encourage you to live in this way. In fact, this week, if you if you if you if you don't have anything to read this week, read Luke fourteen, read this story and and focus on this story. And I believe that if you do that, you'll be able to navigate difficult situations, difficult conversations, moments where. You know, you might not feel it's are very friendly, and we'll be able to. You will be able to shine the light of Christ in those situations, and you will be strengthened in the love of God. Do you receive it this morning? Amen. I want to call the worship team.